Hallelujah. Good morning to you. This is the day that the Lord has made and let us rise up and rejoice and give thanks to God for he has given it to us. Amen. I pray you're well and I pray you had a peaceful night and today's a brand new day that our God has given to us and so let us pray and thank the Lord for life. Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning. Thank you for the life that you have bestowed to us. Thank you so much for being our Father. Indeed, hallowed be your name. May your kingdom come and may your will be done on the earth as it is written in heaven. Father, we partner with you today. We believe in you today. We trust in you confidently. And we know that because you have allowed us to see this beautiful day, we know that we shall see as well the victory that there is. We commend ourselves to your grace, praying that every step of the way we shall be led of you and that we shall be hearing you constantly. Thank you for being a great father and a wonderful God. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. I pray you are well. Our God is good. There is hope. There is joy, there is um, 
anticipation of God's goodness because we live a life of believing and trusting in him all through our lives regardless of the many things we may encounter in life. Amen. So today we're going to continue sharing about um, the word which we've been hearing for the last two days or so about mixing the word of God with faith. Amen. And uh, I had said earlier that we were going to now share about the actual um, happenings that happened to the children of Israel for the Lord to have cautioned us about living a life of believing him and at all times mixing uh, what we have heard with faith. Yeah. So we're going to read uh, quite a bit today from the book of Hebrews and from the book of Numbers. So we're going to start with our uh, script, which we have been studying from the book of Hebrews, chapter 4, verse 1 and 2. It says, therefore, while the promise of entering his rest still holds and is offered today, let us be afraid to distrust it, lest any of you should think he has come too late and has come short of reaching it. For indeed, we heard the glad tidings of the gospel proclaimed to us just as truly as the Israelites of old did when the good news of deliverance from bondage came to them. But the message they heard did not benefit them because it did it was not mixed with faith. Now in brackets, reading from the Amplified, it says, with the leaning of the entire personality of God in absolute trust and confidence in his power, wisdom, and his goodness. Now those who heard it, they didn't mix these words with faith. Praise the Lord. And were not united in faith with Joshua and Caleb. Praise the Lord. Yeah. So the writer of Hebrews is telling us that we should be careful. In fact, he, he, the way he puts it is like we should tread very cautiously lest we have heard a word from God and we distrust that word. And he likens this by giving us the example of the children of Israel who suffered severe judgment because they did not mix what God had said to them about owning and uh, getting into the land of Canaan as their inheritance from God and how detrimental it was not believing God. Praise the Lord. Now, let us dash to those scriptures and there's going to be quite a bit of reading if you're listening in or if you're writing a few notes, we are going to read from the book of Numbers, chapter 13, verse 1 and 2. And then we're going to jump to verse 26 and then we're going to read on. Then we will do chapter 14, verse 1 to 12, and finally verse 30. So we're up to some reading, but it's an interesting story and a sobering one at the same time. So let us listen Note again, today I am using the Amplified Version. 
praise the Lord. All right, so here are the children of Israel, and uh, they journeyed. Remember the in, in initial journey uh, from Egypt to Canaan was supposed to be a journey of 11 days. Oof, but it ended up being a journey of 38 years or close to 40 because, you know, God was testing their hearts and unfortunately many times they failed fatally. And some of the things that happened is that they complained, they murmured against God and were not thankful many times about the things they could see God doing. Um, I, I said earlier, in, in our in our former listening uh, and, and and sharing of the word that uh, these are people who lived in real time miracles. Some of us probably have not had the privilege of seeing, you know, such miracles where a sea is divided right before your eyes, um, clothes growing on our bodies for many years, you know, food just being supplied in the wilderness in the desert waters gushing out of rocks those are shocking things these people also saw the 10 plagues how they you know just tortured the people of egypt but in goshen everything was as normal as could be you know those are experiences that should leave us in utter fear and reverence of god and to god all right, but sometimes we fail to see what he has already done, and unfortunately, when it becomes a culture of not appreciating even the fact that we are alive, the fact that we have breath, the fact that our bodies are functioning normally, that suddenly we do not have, um, you know, an attack of our own cells attacking one another, which is a disease called autoimmune disease. You know, certain things happening to us. We fail to see the miracles of life that we live in daily. And so what happens when we don't keep seeing God, seeing the miracles he has done? Unfortunately, we always fall into the trap of murmuring, complaining, and doubting God. And eventually, if you're not careful, we can totally fall out of his glory while we are walking with him or while we are having this journey of salvation. And so we're just going to learn and see this real-time example from the book of Numbers and the experience of the 12 spies that God uh, told Moses to send to the land of Canaan. So Numbers 13 verse 1 uh, to 2 says, And the Lord said to Moses, Send men to explore and scout out for yourselves the land of Canaan, which I give to the Israelites. From each tribe of their fathers, you shall send a man, every one a leader or head among them. Now, I want you to note something right there. God is saying, send men, verse 2, to explore and scout out for yourselves the land of Canaan. Highlight which I give to the Israelites. Whoa. So he's already pronouncing the words that I have given this land to them. 
So the spying or the scouting of the land was actually just to go and see what's happening, you know, and if you read a little lower, he says, just go check out the timber, check out the vineyards, check out how the land is, because this is a land that I had given you. Wow. So let us run to verse 26 and see what is happening. <laughs> All right. So the Bible says, they came back. They came to Moses and Aaron and uh, to all the Israelite congregation in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh and brought them word and showed them the land's fruit. Now, amongst the things that the Lord has commanded, so when you get into the land, carry a bunch of fruits with you <coughs> just to see the fruitfulness of the land. So verse 27, they told Moses, we came to the land to which you sent us. Surely it flows with milk and honey. This is its fruit. But the people who dwell there are strong and the cities are fortified and very large. Moreover, there, were, there we saw the sons of Anak of great stature and courage. Amalek dwells in the land and the south of the Negev, the Hittite. The Jebusite, the Amorite, dwell in the hill country, and the Canaanites dwells, the Canaanite dwells by the sea and along by the side of the Jordan. Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and possess it. We are well able to conquer it. Praise the Lord. Verse 31 says, But his fellow scouts or spies said, we're not able to go up against this people of Canaan, for they are stronger than we. So they brought the Israelites an evil report. Note, it was a feedback, but the Bible and God himself called it evil. Why? Because that word went against the counsel of God, went against against what he had promised and it started to go into a direction where we are actually making God a liar and thus God called this report evil because these people dared not to trust okay and so here is Caleb giving one one version of their experience in the land and here are the other uh, ten spies giving a different one. Now they said, the land through which we went to spy it out is a land that devours its inhabitants. Honestly, honestly, you guys went into Canaan. You spied the land. And now you're saying the land devours people. And yet you came back. You were not devoured. How come you came back? If the land does devour the, the inhabitants, how come you've come back to give a report? You should have been devoured. My goodness. And all the people that saw, uh, and all that, all the people that we saw in it are men of great, great stature. They, there we saw the Nephilim or giants, the sons of Enoch, who come from the giants 
and we were in our own sight as grasshoppers and so we were in their sight so you guys actually had a conversation with these guys that are called the nephilims the sons of anak and they actually told you guys when we look at you people you're actually grasshoppers and we're just going to pick you up and crush you with the palm of our hands and you're dead who told them See, what happens when we step out of faith, when we step out of looking at things from God's perspective, we start to see drama. We start to put pictorial, you know, images within our minds that bring fear, that will bring discouragement, even when those pictures are truly not there. And that's what happens when we lack faith. Now, there's a scripture in the book of Ephesians chapter 2, verse 6. The Bible says that now we are seated with Christ in heavenly places. Do you know why God allows us to enter that paradigm as believers? It is because that's the position we are called to as sons of God. And that position is a position where we like live in different paradigms or different um what's the word it, it, we're just living in different levels at at one point we are physical beings but in another point we're actually spiritual beings and spiritually we sit with christ in heavenly places meaning while we are there with him seated on the right hand of god the father we rule and reign with him and so we must have the angle of where we look at things from his perspective. But look at the children of Israel. They have been given a sure word by God that I've given you the land. He actually didn't say, I'm giving you or will give you the land. He said, I have given you this land. So all we were meant to go and do was to check out the land, see what we like there, confirm the things that God has said and come back and say, hey, Moses, the place is actually as the Lord said. But they came with a report that was staggering. And you know, let's jump to verse 14 where it says, <laughs> The moment these ten spies gave this report, all the congregation cried out with a loud voice and they wept that night. All the Israelites grumbled and deplored their situation, accusing Moses and Aaron, to whom the whole congregation said, would we have been better to die in Egypt or that we should have died in this wilderness? Why does the Lord now listen to this conversation, the direction it's taking? Why does the Lord bring us to this land to fall by the sword? Who said they were going to fall by the sword? Our wives, my goodness, and the little ones will be prey. Are you seeing where we are going now? We are already seeing pictures of people coming with swords to kill us. And then our children and then our wives. Oh, for God's sake. What doubt and fear can do to mankind. Oh, so let us read on. Verse 4, it says, and they said one to another, let us choose a captain and return to Egypt. Then Moses and Aaron fell on their faces 
before all the assemblies or the children of Israel. And Joshua, son of Nun, and Caleb, son of Jephunneh, who were among the scouts or the spies who had searched the land, rent their clothes, they tore their clothes. And they said to all the company of the Israelites, the land through which we passed as scouts is an exceedingly good land. I mean, were these people together? Look at the perspective of how they are all reasoning. It's like they were sent to different locations. And like Joshua and Caleb actually saw totally different things from the other 10 spies. That's what we do when we lack faith. Yet there's another way a man and a woman of faith will continue to see good even when there is so much negativity around them. They will always speak what God is doing. And that's what Joshua and Caleb had done. And so they said, if the Lord delight in us, then he will bring us into this land and give it to us, a land flowing with milk and honey. Only he sa they said, do not rebel against the Lord, neither fear the people of the land, for they are bread. Come on. I like that analogy. <laughs> Instead of seeing human beings as these giants of the, of, 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 you know, that are the sons of Anak and who are seeing us, <laughs> as locusts or grasshoppers and they can crush us just like that and they are going to come with swords to kill us. Joshua and Caleb says, these guys are actually our bread. Whoa! Actually, as, we, as we're hearing this word, which camp are you in? <laughs> How do you look at things and analyze them? In our daily life at work, in the business places. Praise the Lord. I have been through some tough journeys in the last few months. But this word keeps encouraging me. And I keep saying, Lord, strengthen me to remain in the space of Joshua and Caleb, where regardless of the adversity and enmity I see around my life, around the ministry work you have called us, uh, the, the kind of negativity and, and people who are so scornful, people who just think the worst about you, that Lord, I will live to see the good you're doing and to ignore that which the devil keeps bringing up before my face. And this is the attitude that God is desiring us to have. Now, when you read the book of Hebrews chapter 14, um, chapter 4 rather, as we have been reading verse 1 and 2, God is saying that this word was preached to them as it is being preached to us. So the story of the 12 spies and um, the experiences that the children of Israel had is our story today. And the writer of Hebrews warns us that we should not fall prey to the very things that made the children of Israel, a whole generation for 40 years to be wiped out, while two men were kept alive to see the glory of God, to see the victory of God, to walk with the children of all the rest that died in the wilderness, to see them through and show them the ways of the Lord and allow these children 
to see the promise and the fulfillment of what came out of God's mouth. My challenge to us today as a child of God, every single day we live, God is speaking. But how many of us are having the attitude to say, I believe it shall be done. It has come out of the mouth of God. It has proceeded out of his holy mouth. And so what he has said, I believe it. And I will receive every promise that God has said. And so that's the attitude. Yes, there may be adversity. Yes, there may be men that look so big in stature. But like Joshua and Caleb said, they are our bread. We're just going to have bread, you know. And that's why they conquered them. And today, Israel dwells in the very land that was previously Canaan land. May that be our story, that we will believe God. It does not matter what has proceeded out of his mouth, whether it has ever been done on earth or never, so be it. There are Joshua's and Caleb's that are living in our time and dispensation that would dare to live for God and dare to come up against every adversity, the systems of the world, the kingdom of darkness, and they will stand to be an example of God's representation on the earth. And so, Father, we ask for your help. That King of glory, the eyes of our understanding will be enlightened. That God, you will flood our inner eyes with your light. That we may know God the hope of our calling, that we may know the riches that are there in the inheritance of the saints, uh, and that we may know the power of God that resides inside of us, the same power you exerted upon Jesus and brought him back to life. That same power dwells in us. And so that causes us to be unbeatable, are people that are going to rock, wreck um, disorder and they will cause mayhem to the kingdom of darkness because there are people that believe in you, trust in you, and take your word very seriously. That every word that will proceed out of your mouth, oh God and our Father, we will mix it with faith and get on the tracks to do exploits for you. Forgive us for the times we have failed. Forgive us for the times we have allowed fear, the economy, sickness, disease, things we experience every day, animosity, adversity, enmity from people around our lives. Forgive us for allowing those situations to put us down and to cause us to forget that we carry out words you have spoken. And we're supposed to execute them, to make them come to reality here on earth. We receive grace. We receive endowment from on high to believe again, to walk right in the middle of adversity, to see you, God, grant us victory on the other side. 
And so, Lord, we receive grace, and here we are. Send us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. If you're there, you're not born again, and you're saying, please pray for me. Please get me en route with God. Because these things can only be done when we have a heritage with God. If you're not born again, some things are almost unachievable because then we are not under the covenant of God and under the instruction of the person of the Holy Spirit. And so if you're there, you're not born again. God has given us a day. You're alive today because he says today if you hear his voice, harden not your heart. As in the day of provocation, God is calling you. And so I'm going to say a prayer. You can say this prayer after me. Believe in your heart that the things you're saying, salvation will be made manifest. Say so. So say, Lord Jesus, I come to you. Forgive me my sins. Cleanse me from all unrighteousness. Wrap my name, Lord Jesus, from the book of eternal damnation. And write my name in the book of life. Wash me anew by the blood of Jesus, our Lord. I am a child of God. And when you return, Jesus, I will go with you. I bless you and I thank you for saving me this day. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. The Lord bless you. Have a victorious day and keep shining the light of the gospel. Wherever you go, know God has already given you the land in Jesus' name. Amen. The books of 1st and 2nd Samuel. They're two separate books in our modern Bibles, but that division is due simply to scroll length. It was originally written as one coherent story. We're just going to cover the book of 1 Samuel in this video. So after Israel was rescued from slavery in Egypt, they made a covenant with God at Mount Sinai and eventually came into the Promised Land. And there Israel was supposed to be faithful to God and obey the covenant commands. Before the book of Samuel, judges showed how Israel failed at that task big time. It was a period of moral chaos and it showed Israel's need for wise, faithful leaders. The book of Samuel provides an answer to that need. The book of Samuel's story focuses on three main characters. The prophet Samuel, where the book gets its name, and then King Saul, and after that, King David. And all three of them transitioned Israel from a group of tribes ruled by judges into a unified kingdom ruled by King David in Jerusalem. And the book of Samuel has a fascinating design that weaves the story of these three characters together in four main parts. Samuel, he's the key leader and prophet in the first section of the book, but then he also plays a key role in the next section, which is Saul's story. And it's told in two movements, Saul's rise to power and then his failures. And the second part is about his downfall and his tragic death. And then the drama of Saul's demise is matched by David's exciting rise to power. And then David's story is told in two movements. First, he rides the wave of his success, followed by his own tragic failure and the slow self-destruction of his family and then his kingdom. The book concludes with an epilogue that reflects back over the whole story. So let's dive in and see how this all unfolds. Part one picks up from the chaos of the book of Judges, and we're introduced to a touching story about a woman named Hannah. 
And she's grieved because she has never been able to have children. And by God's grace, she finally has a son named Samuel. And in joy, she sings this amazing poem in chapter 2. And the poem is all about how God opposes the proud and exalts the humble, about how despite tragedies and human evil, God is working out his purposes in history. And also it's about how God will one day raise up an anointed king for his people. Now, Hannah's poem has been placed here at the beginning of the book to introduce these key themes that we're going to see throughout the whole story, like the next one. Samuel grows up and becomes a great prophet and leader for the people of Israel at the same time that the Philistines rise to power as Israel's arch nemesis. And in this crucial battle, the Israelites get arrogant, and instead of praying and asking God for help, they trot out the Ark of the Covenant as this kind of magic trophy that will automatically grant them victory in battle. And so because of their arrogant presumption, God allows Israel to lose the battle and the Ark is stolen. So the Philistines, they take the ark and they place it in the temple of their god, Dagon. And then the god of Israel defeats the Philistines and the god Dagon without an army by sending plagues on the people. And then the Philistines don't want the ark anymore, obviously, and they send it back to Israel. And the point of this little story seems to be this. God is not Israel's trophy. And he opposes pride among the Philistines, but also among his own people. And so Israel needs to remain humble and obedient if they want to experience God's covenant blessing, which opens up into the next large section. The Israelites come to Samuel and they say, hey, we want a king like all the other nations have. Go find one for us. And so Samuel, he's kind of ticked off and he goes to consult with God. And God says, yes, their motives are all wrong, but if a king is what they want, give them one. And so we're introduced to the figure of Saul. Now, Saul is a tragic figure because he begins full of promise. He's tall, he's good-looking, he's a perfect candidate for a king. But he has deep character flaws. He's dishonest, he lacks integrity, and he seems incapable of acknowledging his own mistakes. And so these flaws become his downfall. He wins some battles at the beginning, but his flaws run so deep, he eventually disqualifies himself by blatantly disobeying God's commands. And so the aging Samuel confronts Saul and Israel. He had warned the people that they would only benefit from a king who's humble and faithful to God. Otherwise, the kings of Israel will bring ruin. So he informs Saul that God is going to raise up a new king to replace him. And so Saul's downfall begins, as God at the same time is working behind the scenes to raise up that new king. It's an insignificant shepherd boy named David. He's the least likely candidate to be king. But the famous story of David and Goliath shows that God's choice of David is not based on his family status, but simply on his radical and humble trust in the God of Israel. And so this story embodies all of the themes of Hannah's poem. Proud Saul and Goliath are brought low, while humble David is exalted. From here, we watch Saul slowly descend into madness, while David rises to power. 
So David starts working for Saul as a general, and he's winning all of the battles, and he's also winning all of the fame. And so Saul gets jealous, and he starts chasing David around, hunting him, trying to kill him. David's done nothing wrong. And so David simply runs and waits in the wilderness. And here we see David's true character. He has multiple opportunities to kill Saul, but he doesn't. He simply trusts that despite Saul's evil, God will raise up a king for his people. What's interesting, too, is that many of the poems of David that you find in the book of Psalms are linked to this very period of his life, and they all express the same attitude of trust. And so this section of the book ends with Saul coming to a grisly death after losing a battle with the Philistines. First Samuel tells some of the most intricate, well-told stories you find anywhere in the Bible. And the characters Saul and David, they're portrayed very realistically. And the author's putting them forward as character studies so that you can find yourself in them. So in Saul's story, we see a warning. It's crucial that we reflect on our own character flaws and how they harm us and other people. And with God's help, we need to humble ourselves and deal with our dark side so that Saul's story doesn't become ours. David, on the other hand, is presented as an example of patience and trust in God's timing in our lives. And so he's running in the wilderness, being chased by Saul. David had every reason to think that God had abandoned him, but that's not what he thinks. And so David's story encourages us to trust that despite human evil, God is working out his purposes to oppose the proud and to exalt the humble. And that's what 1 Samuel is all about. The First Book of Samuel Now there was a certain man of Ramathiam Zophim, of the mountains of Ephraim, and his name was Elkanah, the son of Jeroam, the son of Elihu, the son of Tohu, the son of Zuth, an Ephraimite, and he had two wives. The name of one was Hannah, and the name of the other Penina. Penina had children, but Hannah had no children. This man went up from his city yearly to worship and sacrifice to the Lord of hosts in Shiloh. Also the two sons of Eli, Hafni and Phinehas, the priests of the Lord, were there. And whenever the time came for Elkanah to make an offering, he would give portions to Penina, his wife, and to all her sons and daughters. But to Hannah, he would give a double portion, for he loved Hannah, although the Lord had closed her womb. And her rival also provoked her severely to make her miserable, because the Lord had closed her womb. So it was, year by year, when she went up to the house of the Lord, that she provoked her. Therefore she wept and did not eat. Then Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Hannah, why do you weep? Why do you not eat? And why is your heart grieved? Am I not better to you than ten sons? So Hannah arose after they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh. Now Eli, the priest, was sitting on the seat by the doorpost of the tabernacle of the Lord. And she was in bitterness of soul, and prayed to the Lord and wept in anguish. Then she made a vow. O oh, Lord of hosts, if you will indeed 
Look on the affliction of your maidservant, and remember me, and not forget your maidservant. But we'll give your maidservant a male child, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life, and no razor shall come upon his head. And it happened, as she continued praying before the Lord, that Eli watched her mouth. Now Hannah spoke in her heart. Only her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. Therefore Eli thought she was drunk. How long will you be drunk? Put your wine away from you. No, my lord. I am a woman of sorrowful spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor intoxicating drink, but have poured out my soul before the Lord. Do not consider your maidservant a wicked woman, for out of the abundance of my complaint and grief I have spoken until now. Go in peace, and the God of Israel grant your petition which you have asked of him. Let your maidservant find favor in your sight. So the woman went her way and ate, and her face was no longer sad. Then they rose early in the morning and worshipped before the Lord, and returned and came to their house at Ramah. And Elkanah knew Hannah his wife, and the Lord remembered her. So it came to pass, in the process of time, that Hannah conceived and bore a son, and called his name Samuel. Because I have asked for him from the Lord. Now the man Elkanah and all his house went up to offer to the Lord the yearly sacrifice and his vow. But Hannah did not go up, for she said to her husband, Not until the child is weaned. Then I will take him that he may appear before the Lord and remain there forever. So Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Do what seems best to you. Wait until you have weaned him. Only let the Lord establish his word. Then the woman stayed and nursed her son until she had weaned him. Now when she had weaned him, she took him up with her with three bulls, one ephah of flour and a skin of wine, and brought him to the house of the Lord in Shiloh. And the child was young. Then they slaughtered a bull and brought the child to Eli. O oh my Lord, as your soul lives, my Lord, I am the woman who stood by you here, praying to the Lord. For this child I prayed, and the Lord has granted me my petition which I asked of him. Therefore, I also have lent him to the Lord. As long as he lives, he shall be lent to the Lord. So they worshipped the Lord there. And Hannah prayed. My heart rejoices in the Lord. My horn is exalted in the Lord. I smile at my enemies, because I rejoice in your salvation. 
no one is holy like the Lord, for there is none besides you, nor is there any rock like our God. Talk no more so very proudly. Let no arrogance come from your mouth, for the Lord is the God of knowledge, and by him actions are weighed. The bows of the mighty men are broken, and those who stumbled are girded with strength. Those who were full have hired themselves out for bread, and the hungry have ceased to hunger. Even the barren has borne seven, and she who has many children has become feeble. The Lord kills and makes alive. He brings down to the grave and brings up. The Lord makes poor and makes rich. He brings low and lifts up. He raises the poor from the dust and lifts the beggar from the ash heap to set them among princes and make them inherit the throne of glory. For the pillars of the earth are the Lord's, and he has set the world upon them. He will guard the feet of his saints, but the wicked shall be silent in darkness. For by strength no man shall prevail. The adversaries of the Lord shall be broken in pieces. From heaven he will thunder against them. The Lord will judge the ends of the earth. He will give strength to his king and exalt the horn of his anointed. Then Elkanah went to his house at Ramah, but the child ministered to the Lord before Eli the priest. Now the sons of Eli were corrupt. They did not know the Lord. And the priest's custom with the people was that when any man offered a sacrifice, the priest's servant would come with a three-pronged flesh hook in his hand while the meat was boiling. Then he would thrust it into the pan or kettle or cauldron or pot, and the priest would take for himself all that the flesh hook brought up. So they did in Shiloh to all the Israelites who came there. Also, before they burned the fat, the priest's servant would come and say to the man who sacrificed, Give meat for roasting to the priest, for he will not take boiled meat from you, but raw. And if the man said to him, They should really burn the fat first, then you may take as much as your heart desires. He would then answer him, No, but you must give it now, and if not, I will take it by force. Therefore the sin of the young men was very great before the Lord, for men abhorred the offering of the Lord. But Samuel ministered before the Lord even as a child, wearing a linen ephod, Moreover, his mother used to make him a little robe and bring it to him year by year when she came up with her husband to offer the yearly sacrifice. And Eli would bless Elkanah and his wife. The Lord give you descendants from this woman for the loan that was given to the Lord. Then they would go to their own home. And the Lord visited Hannah so that she conceived and bore three sons and two daughters. Meanwhile, the child Samuel grew before the Lord. Now Eli was very old, and he heard everything his sons did to all Israel, and how they lay with the women 
who assembled at the door of the tabernacle of meeting. Why do you do such things? For I hear of your evil dealings from all the people. No, my sons, for it is not a good report that I hear. You make the Lord's people transgress. If one man sins against another, God will judge him. But if a man sins against the Lord, who will intercede for him? Nevertheless, they did not heed the voice of their father because the Lord desired to kill them. And the child Samuel grew in stature and in favor, both with the Lord and men. Then a man of God came to Eli and said to him, Thus says the Lord, Did I not clearly reveal myself to the house of your father when they were in Egypt in Pharaoh's house? Did I not choose him out of all the tribes of Israel to be my priest, to offer upon my altar to burn incense and to wear an ephod before me? And did I not give to the house of your father all the offerings of the children of Israel made by fire? Why do you kick at my sacrifice and my offering which I have commanded in my dwelling place and honor your sons more than me to make yourselves fat with the best of all the offerings of Israel, my people? Therefore, the Lord God of Israel says, I said indeed that your house and the house of your father would walk before me forever. But now the Lord says, Far be it from me, for those who honor me I will honor, and those who despise me shall be lightly esteemed. Behold, the days are coming that I will cut off your arm and the arm of your father's house, so that there will not be an old man in your house. And you will see an enemy in my dwelling place, despite all the good which God does for Israel. And there shall not be an old man in your house forever. But any of your men whom I do not cut off from my altar shall consume your eyes and grieve your heart. And all the descendants of your house shall die in the flower of their age. Now this shall be a sign to you that will come upon your two sons, on Hophni and Phinehas. In one day they shall die, both of them. Then I will raise up for myself a faithful priest who shall do according to what is in my heart and in my mind. I will build him a sure house, and he shall walk before my anointed forever. And it shall come to pass that everyone who is left in your house will come and bow down to him for a piece of silver and a morsel of bread and say, Please, put me in one of the priestly positions, that I may eat a piece of bread. Now the boy Samuel ministered to the Lord before Eli, and the word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no widespread revelation. And it came to pass at that time, while Eli was lying down in his place, and when his eyes had begun to grow so dim that he could not see, 
And before the lamp of God went out in the tabernacle of the Lord where the ark of God was, and while Samuel was lying down, that the Lord called Samuel. And he answered, Here I am. So he ran to Eli. Here I am, for you called me. I did not call. Lie down again. And he went and lay down. Then the Lord called yet again, Samuel. So Samuel arose and went to Eli. Here I am, for you called me. I did not call my son. Lie down again. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, nor was the word of the Lord yet revealed to him. And the Lord called Samuel again the third time. So he arose and went to Eli. Here I am, for you did call me. Then Eli perceived that the Lord had called the boy. Go, lie down, and it shall be if he calls you, that you must say, Speak, Lord, for your servant hears. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. Now the Lord came and stood and called as at other times. Samuel, Samuel, speak, for your servant hears. Behold, I will do something in Israel at which both ears of everyone who hears it will tingle. In that day, I will perform against Eli all that I have spoken concerning his house from beginning to end. For I have told him that I will judge his house forever for the iniquity which he knows because his sons made themselves vile and he did not restrain them. And therefore I have sworn to the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be atoned for by sacrifice or offering forever. So Samuel lay down until morning and opened the doors of the house of the Lord. And Samuel was afraid to tell Eli the vision. Then Eli called Samuel. Samuel, my son. Here I am. What is the word that the Lord spoke to you? Please do not hide it from me. God do so to you and more also. If you hide anything from me of all the things that he said to you. And Samuel told him everything and hid nothing from him. It is the Lord. Let him do what seems good to him. So Samuel grew, and the Lord was with him, and let none of his words fall to the ground. And all Israel, from Dan to Beersheba, knew that Samuel had been established as a prophet of the Lord. Then the Lord appeared again in Shiloh, for the Lord revealed himself to Samuel in Shiloh by the word of the Lord.
And the word of Samuel came to all Israel. Now Israel went out to battle against the Philistines, and encamped beside Ebenezer, and the Philistines encamped in Aphek. Then the Philistines put themselves in battle array against Israel. And when they joined battle, Israel was defeated by the Philistines who killed about 4,000 men of the army in the field. And when the people had come into the camp, the elders of Israel said, Why has the Lord defeated us today before the Philistines? Let us bring the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord from Shiloh to us, that when it comes among us, it may save us from the hand of our enemies. So the people sent to Shiloh, that they might bring from there the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord of Hosts, who dwells between the cherubim, and the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, were there with the Ark of the Covenant of God. And when the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord came into the camp, all Israel shouted so loudly that the earth shook. Now when the Philistines heard the noise of the shout, they said, What does the sound of this great shout in the camp of the Hebrews mean? Then they understood that the ark of the Lord had come into the camp. So the Philistines were afraid, for they said, God has come into the camp. Woe to us, for such a thing has never happened before. Woe to us. Who will deliver us from the hand of these mighty gods? These are the gods who struck the Egyptians with all the plagues in the wilderness. Be strong and conduct yourselves like men, you Philistines, that you do not become servants of the Hebrews as they have been to you. Conduct yourselves like men and fight. So the Philistines fought, and Israel was defeated. Every man fled to his tent. There was a very great slaughter, and there fell of Israel 30,000 foot soldiers. Also, the Ark of God was captured, and the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, died. Then a man of Benjamin ran from the battle line the same day and came to Shiloh with his clothes torn and dirt on his head. Now when he came, there was Eli, sitting on a seat by the wayside, watching, for his heart trembled for the ark of God. And when the man came into the city and told it, all the city cried out. When Eli heard the noise of the outcry, he said, What does the sound of this tumult mean? And the man came quickly and told Eli. Eli was 98 years old, and his eyes were so dim that they could not see. Then the man said to Eli, I am he who came from the battle, and I fled today from the battle line. What happened, my son? Israel has fled before the Philistines 
and there has been a great slaughter among the people. Also, your two sons, Hafni and Phineas, are dead, and the Ark of God has been captured. Then it happened, when he made mention of the Ark of God, that Eli fell off the seat backward by the side of the gate, and his neck was broken, and he died, for the man was old and heavy, and he had judged Israel forty years. Now his daughter-in-law, Phineas' wife, was with child, due to be delivered, and when she heard the news that the Ark of God was captured, that her father-in-law and her husband were dead, she bowed herself and gave birth, for her labor pains came upon her. And about the time of her death, the women who stood by her said to her, Do not fear, for you have borne a son. But she did not answer, nor did she regard it. Then she named the child Ichabod. The glory has departed from Israel. Because the ark of God had been captured, and because of her father-in-law and her husband. The glory has departed from Israel, for the ark of God has been captured. Then the Philistines took the ark of God and brought it from Ebenezer to Ashdod. When the Philistines took the ark of God, they brought it into the house of Dagon and set it by Dagon. And when the people of Ashdod arose early in the morning, there was Dagon fallen on its face to the earth before the ark of the Lord. So they took Dagon and set it in its place again. And when they arose early the next morning, there was Dagon, fallen on its face to the ground before the ark of the Lord. The head of Dagon and both the palms of its hands were broken off on the threshold. Only Dagon's torso was left of it. Therefore, neither the priests of Dagon nor any who come into Dagon's house tread on the threshold of Dagon in Ashdod to this day. But the hand of the Lord was heavy on the people of Ashdod, and he ravaged them and struck them with tumors, both Ashdod and its territory. The ark of the God of Israel must not remain with us for his hand is harsh toward us and Dagon, our God. Therefore, they sent and gathered to themselves all the lords of the Philistines. What shall we do with the Ark of the God of Israel? Let the Ark of the God of Israel be carried away to Gath. So they carried the Ark of the God of Israel away. So it was after they had carried it away, that the hand of the Lord was against the city with a very great destruction. And he struck the men of the city, both small and great, and tumors broke out on them. Therefore, 
they sent the Ark of God to Ekron. So it was, as the Ark of God came to Ekron, that the Ekronites cried out, They have brought the Ark of the God of Israel to us, to kill us and our people. So they sent and gathered together all the lords of the Philistines. Send away the Ark of the God of Israel, and let it go back to its own place, so that it does not kill us and our people. For there was a deadly destruction throughout all the city. The hand of God was very heavy there, and the men who did not die were stricken with the tumors, and the cry of the city went up to heaven. Now, the ark of the Lord was in the country of the Philistines seven months, and the Philistines called for the priests and the diviners. What shall we do with the ark of the Lord? Tell us how we should send it to its place. If you send away the ark of the God of Israel, do not send it empty, but by all means return it to him with a trespass offering. Then you will be healed and it will be known to you why his hand is not removed from you. What is the trespass offering which we shall return to him? Five golden tumors and five golden rats, according to the number of the lords of the Philistines. For the same plague was on all of you and on your lords. Therefore, you shall make images of your tumors and images of your rats that ravage the land. And you shall give glory to the God of Israel. Perhaps he will lighten his hand from you, from your gods and from your land. Why then do you harden your hearts, as the Egyptians and Pharaoh hardened their hearts? When he did mighty things among them, did they not let the people go, that they might depart? Now therefore, make a new cart. Take two milk cows, which have never been yoked, and hitch the cows to the cart, and take their calves home, away from them. Then take the ark of the Lord, and set it on the cart, and put the articles of gold which you are returning to him as a trespass offering in a chest by its side. Then send it away and let it go and watch. If it goes up the road to its own territory, to Beth Shemesh, then he has done us this great evil. But if not, then we shall know that it is not his hand that struck us. It happened to us by chance. Then the men did so. They took two milk cows and hitched them to the cart and shut up their calves at home. And they set the ark of the Lord on the cart and the chest with the gold rats and the images of their tumors. Then the cows headed straight for the road to Beth Shemesh and went along the highway, lowing as they went 
and did not turn aside to the right hand or the left. And the lords of the Philistines went after them to the border of Beth Shemesh. Now, the people of Beth Shemesh were reaping their wheat harvest in the valley, and they lifted their eyes and saw the ark and rejoiced to see it. Then the cart came into the field of Joshua of Beth Shemesh and stood there. A large stone was there. So they split the wood of the cart and offered the cows as a burnt offering to the Lord. The Levites took down the ark of the Lord and the chest that was with it, in which were the articles of gold, and put them on the large stone. Then the men of Beth Shemesh offered burnt offerings and made sacrifices the same day to the Lord. So when the five lords of the Philistines had seen it, they returned to Ekron the same day. These are the golden tumors, which the Philistines returned as a trespass offering to the Lord, one for Ashdod, one for Gaza, one for Ashkelon, one for Gath, one for Ekron, and the golden rats, according to the number of all the cities of the Philistines belonging to the five lords both fortified cities and country villages, even as far as the large stone of Abel, on which they set the Ark of the Lord, which stone remains to this day in the field of Joshua of Beth Shemesh. Then he struck the men of Beth Shemesh because they had looked into the Ark of the Lord. He struck fifty thousand and seventy men of the people. And the people lamented because the Lord had struck the people with a great slaughter. And the men of Beth Shemesh said, Who is able to stand before this holy Lord God? And to whom shall it go up from us? So they sent messengers to the inhabitants of kirjath Jeor. The Philistines have brought back the Ark of the Lord. Come down and take it up with you. Then the men of Kirjath-Jerim came and took the Ark of the Lord and brought it into the house of Abinadab on the hill and consecrated Eleazar his son to keep the Ark of the Lord. So it was that the Ark remained in Kirjath-Jerim a long time. It was there twenty years. And all the house of Israel lamented after the Lord. Then Samuel spoke to all the house of Israel. If you return to the Lord with all your hearts, then put away the foreign gods and the Ashtoreths from among you and prepare your hearts for the Lord, and serve him only, and he will deliver you from the hand of the Philistines. So the children of Israel put away the Baals and the Ashtoreths, and served the Lord only. And Samuel said, Gather all Israel to Mizpah, and I will pray to the Lord for you. So they gathered together at Mizpah, drew water, and poured it out before the Lord. And they fasted that day, and said there, 
We have sinned against the Lord. And Samuel judged the children of Israel at Mizpah. Now when the Philistines heard that the children of Israel had gathered together at Mizpah, the lords of the Philistines went up against Israel. And when the children of Israel heard of it, they were afraid of the Philistines. So the children of Israel said to Samuel, Do not cease to cry out to the Lord our God for us, that he may save us from the hand of the Philistines. And Samuel took a suckling lamb, and offered it as a whole burnt offering to the Lord. Then Samuel cried out to the Lord for Israel, and the Lord answered him. Now as Samuel was offering up the burnt offering, the Philistines drew near to battle against Israel. But the Lord thundered with a loud thunder upon the Philistines that day, and so confused them that they were overcome before Israel. And the men of Israel went out of Mizpah and pursued the Philistines and drove them back as far as below Bethkar. Then Samuel took a stone and set it up between Mizpah and Shen and called its name Ebenezer. Thus far, the Lord has helped us. So the Philistines were subdued, and they did not come any more into the territory of Israel. And the hand of the Lord was against the Philistines all the days of Samuel. Then the cities which the Philistines had taken from Israel were restored to Israel, from Ekron to Gath. And Israel recovered its territory from the hands of the Philistines. Also, there was peace between Israel and the Amorites. And Samuel judged Israel all the days of his life. He went from year to year on a circuit to Bethel, Gilgal, and Mizpah, and judged Israel in all those places. But he always returned to Ramah, for his home was there. There he judged Israel, and there he built an altar to the Lord. to pass when Samuel was old that he made his sons judges over Israel. The name of his firstborn was Joel, and the name of his second Abijah. They were judges in Beersheba, but his sons did not walk in his ways. They turned aside after dishonest gain, took bribes, and perverted justice. Then all the elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel at Ramah. Look, you are old, and your sons do not walk in your ways. Now make us a king to judge us like all the nations. But the thing displeased Samuel when they said, Give us a king to judge us. So Samuel prayed to the Lord. And the Lord said to Samuel, Heed the voice of the people in all that they say to you. For they have not rejected you, but they have rejected me, that I should not reign over them. According to all the works which they have done since the day that I brought them up out of Egypt, even to this day, with which they have forsaken me and served other gods, so they are doing to you also. Now therefore, heed their voice 
However, you shall solemnly forewarn them and show them the behavior of the king who will reign over them. So Samuel told all the words of the Lord to the people who asked him for a king. This will be the behavior of the king who will reign over you. He will take your sons and appoint them for his own chariots and to be his horsemen, and some will run before his chariots. He will appoint captains over his thousands and captains over his fifties, will set some to plow his ground and reap his harvest, and some to make his weapons of war and equipment for his chariots. He will take your daughters to be perfumers, cooks, and bakers, and he will take the best of your fields, your vineyards, and your olive groves, and give them to his servants. He will take a tenth of your grain and your vintage and give it to his officers and servants. And he will take your male servants, your female servants, your finest young men, and your donkeys, and put them to his work. He will take a tenth of your sheep, and you will be his servants. And you will cry out in that day because of your king, whom you have chosen for yourselves, and the Lord will not hear you in that day. Nevertheless, the people refused to obey the voice of Samuel. No, but we will have a king over us, that we also may be like all the nations, and that our king may judge us and go out before us and fight our battles. And Samuel heard all the words of the people, and he repeated them in the hearing of the Lord. So the Lord said to Samuel, Heed their voice, and make them a king. And Samuel said to the men of Israel, Every man, go to his city. was a man of Benjamin whose name was Kish, the son of Abiel, the son of Zerah, the son of Bekorath, the son of Aphiah, a Benjamite, a mighty man of power. And he had a choice and handsome son whose name was Saul. There was not a more handsome person than he among the children of Israel. From his shoulders upward, he was taller than any of the people. Now the donkeys of Kish, Saul's father, were lost. And Kish said to his son Saul, Please take one of the servants with you and arise. Go and look for the donkeys. So he passed through the mountains of Ephraim and through the land of Shalishah, but they did not find them. Then they passed through the land of Shaolin, and they were not there. Then he passed through the land of the Benjamites, but they did not find them. When they had come to the land of Zaph, Saul said to his servant who was with him, Come, let us return, lest my father cease caring about the donkeys and become worried about us. Look now, there is in this city a man of God, and he is an honorable man. All that he says surely comes to pass. So let us go there. Perhaps he can show us the way that we should go. But look... If we go, what shall we bring the man? For the bread in our vessels is all gone, and there is no present to bring to the man of God. 
What do we have? Look, I have here at hand one-fourth of a shekel of silver. I will give that to the man of God to tell us our way. Formerly in Israel, when a man went to inquire of God, he spoke thus, Come, let us go to the seer, for he who is now called a prophet was formerly called a seer. Then Saul said to his servant, Well said. Come, let us go. So they went to the city where the man of God was. As they went up the hill to the city, they met some young women going out to draw water. Is the seer here? Yes, there he is, just ahead of you. Hurry now, for today he came to this city because there is a sacrifice of the people today on the high place. As soon as you come into the city, you will surely find him before he goes up to the high place to eat. For the people will not eat until he comes, because he must bless the sacrifice. Afterward, those who are invited will eat. Now, therefore, go up, for about this time you will find him. So they went up to the city. As they were coming into the city, there was Samuel coming out toward them on his way up to the high place. Now the Lord had told Samuel in his ear the day before Saul came, saying, Tomorrow, about this time, I will send you a man from the land of Benjamin, and you shall anoint him commander over my people Israel, that he may save my people from the hand of the Philistines. For I have looked upon my people, because their cry has come to me. So, when Samuel saw Saul, the Lord said to him, There he is, the man of whom I spoke to you. This one shall reign over my people. Then Saul drew near to Samuel in the gate. Please, tell me, where is the seer's house? I am the seer. Go up before me to the high place. For you shall eat with me today, and tomorrow I will let you go, and will tell you all that is in your heart. But as for your donkeys that were lost three days ago, do not be anxious about them, for they have been found, and on whom is all the desire of Israel? Is it not on you? And on all your father's house? Am I not a Benjamite, of the smallest of the tribes of Israel? And my family the least of all the families of the tribe of Benjamin? Why then do you speak like this to me? Now Samuel took Saul and his servant and brought them into the hall, and had them sit in the place of honor among those who were invited. There were about thirty persons. And Samuel said to the cook, Bring the portion which I gave you, of which I said to you, set it apart. So the cook took up the thigh with its upper part and set it before Saul. Here it is, what was kept back. It was set apart for you, eat. For until this time, it has been kept for you, since I said I invited the people. So Saul ate with Samuel that day.
when they had come down from the high place into the city, Samuel spoke with Saul on the top of the house. They arose early, and it was about the dawning of the day that Samuel called to Saul on the top of the house. Get up, that I may send you on your way. And Saul arose, and both of them went outside, he and Samuel. As they were going down to the outskirts of the city, Samuel said to Saul, Tell the servant to go on ahead of us. And he went on. But you stand here a while, that I may announce to you the word of God. And Samuel took a flask of oil and poured it on his head and kissed him and said, is it not because the Lord has anointed you commander over his inheritance? When you have departed from me today, you will find two men by Rachel's tomb in the territory of Benjamin at Zelzah. And they will say to you, the donkeys which you went to look for have been found. And now your father has ceased caring about the donkeys and is worrying about you, saying, What shall I do about my son? Then you shall go on forward from there and come to the terebinth tree of Tabor. There three men going up to God at Bethel will meet you, one carrying three young goats, another carrying three loaves of bread, and another carrying a skin of wine and they will greet you and give you two loaves of bread, which you shall receive from their hands. After that, you shall come to the hill of God, where the Philistine garrison is, and it will happen. When you have come there to the city, that you will meet a group of prophets coming down from the high place with a stringed instrument, a tambourine, a flute, and a harp before them and they will be prophesying. Then the Spirit of the Lord will come upon you, and you will prophesy with them and be turned into another man. And let it be, when these signs come to you, that you do as the occasion demands, for God is with you. You shall go down before me to Gilgal, and surely I will come down to you to offer burnt offerings and make sacrifices of peace offerings. Seven days you shall wait till I come to you and show you what you should do. So it was, when he had turned his back to go from Samuel, that God gave him another heart. And all those signs came to pass that day. When they came there to the hill, there was a group of prophets to meet him. Then the Spirit of God came upon him, and he prophesied among them. And it happened when all who knew him formerly saw that he had indeed prophesied among the prophets, that the people said to one another, What is this that has come upon the son of Kish? 
Is Saul also among the prophets? Then a man from there answered, But who is their father? Therefore it became a proverb, Is Saul also among the prophets? When he had finished prophesying, he went to the high place. Then Saul's uncle said to him and his servant, Where did you go? To look for the donkeys. When we saw that they were nowhere to be found, we went to Samuel. Tell me, please, what Samuel said to you? He told us plainly that the donkeys had been found. But about the matter of the kingdom, he did not tell him what Samuel had said. Then Samuel called the people together to the Lord at Mizpah and said to the children of Israel, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, I brought up Israel out of Egypt and delivered you from the hand of the Egyptians and from the hand of all kingdoms and from those who oppressed you. But you have today rejected your God, who himself saved you from all your adversities and your tribulations, and you have said to him, No, set a king over us. Now therefore, present yourselves before the Lord by your tribes and by your clans. And when Samuel had caused all the tribes of Israel to come near, the tribe of Benjamin was chosen. When he had caused the tribe of Benjamin to come near by their families, the family of Matri was chosen. And Saul, the son of Kish, was chosen. But when they sought him, he could not be found. Therefore they inquired of the Lord further, Has the man come here yet? There he is hidden among the equipment. So they ran and brought him from there. And when he stood among the people, he was taller than any of the people from his shoulders upward. And Samuel said to all the people, Do you see him whom the Lord has chosen? That there is no one like him among all the people? So all the people shouted, Long live the king! Then Samuel explained to the people the behavior of royalty, and wrote it in a book, and laid it up before the Lord. And Samuel sent all the people away, every man to his house. And Saul also went home to Gibeah, and valiant men went with him, whose hearts God had touched. But some rebels said, How can this man save us? So they despised him and brought him no presents, but he held his peace. Then Nahash the Ammonite came up and encamped against Jabesh-Gilead. And all the men of Jabesh said to Nahash, Make a covenant with us, and we will serve you. And Nahash the Ammonite answered them, On this condition I will make a covenant with you, that I may put out all your right eyes and bring reproach on all Israel. Then the elders of Jabesh said to him, Hold off for seven days, that we may send messengers to all the territory of Israel. And then, if there is no one to save us, 
we will come out to you. So the messengers came to Gibeah of Saul and told the news in the hearing of the people. And all the people lifted up their voices and wept. Now there was Saul coming behind the herd from the field. And Saul said, What troubles the people that they weep? And they told him the words of the men of Jabesh. Then the Spirit of God came upon Saul when he heard this news, and his anger was greatly aroused. So he took a yoke of oxen and cut them in pieces, and sent them throughout all the territory of Israel by the hands of messengers, saying, Whoever does not go out with Saul and Samuel to battle, so it shall be done to his oxen. And the fear of the Lord fell on the people, and they came out with one consent. When he numbered them in Bezek, the children of Israel were three hundred thousand, and the men of Judah thirty thousand. And they said to the messengers who came, Thus you shall say to the men of Jabesh-Gilead, Tomorrow, by the time the sun is hot, you shall have help. Then the messengers came and reported it to the men of Jabesh, and they were glad. Therefore the men of Jabesh said, Tomorrow we will come out to you, and you may do with us whatever seems good to you. So it was on the next day that Saul put the people in three companies, and they came into the midst of the camp in the morning watch, and killed Ammonites until the heat of the day. And it happened that those who survived were scattered, so that no two of them were left together. And the people said to Samuel, Who is he who said, Shall Saul reign over us? Bring the men, that we may put them to death. Not a man shall be put to death this day. For today the Lord has accomplished salvation in Israel. Then Samuel said to the people, Come, let us go to Gilgal and renew the kingdom there. So all the people went to Gilgal, and there they made Saul king before the Lord in Gilgal. There they made sacrifices of peace offerings before the Lord, and there Saul and all the men of Israel rejoiced greatly. Now Samuel said to all Israel, Indeed, I have heeded your voice in all that you said to me and have made a king over you. And now, here is the king walking before you, and I am old and gray-headed. And look, my sons are with you. I have walked before you from my childhood to this day. Here I am. Witness against me before the Lord and before his anointed. Whose ox have I taken, or whose donkey have I taken, or whom have I cheated? Whom have I oppressed, or from whose hand have I received any bribe with which to blind my eyes? I will restore it to you. You have not cheated us, or oppressed us, nor have you taken anything from any man's hand. The Lord is witness against you, 
and his anointed is witness this day that you have not found anything in my hand. He is witness. It is the Lord who raised up Moses and Aaron and who brought your fathers up from the land of Egypt. Now, therefore, stand still that I may reason with you before the Lord concerning all the righteous acts of the Lord, which he did to you and your fathers. When Jacob had gone into Egypt and your fathers cried out to the Lord, then the Lord sent Moses and Aaron, who brought your fathers out of Egypt and made them dwell in this place. And when they forgot the Lord their God, he sold them into the hand of Sisera, commander of the army of Hazor, into the hand of the Philistines and into the hand of the king of Moab. And they fought against them. Then they cried out to the Lord and said, We have sinned because we have forsaken the Lord and served the Baals and Ashtoreths. But now deliver us from the hand of our enemies and we will serve you. And the Lord sent Jeroboam, Bedan, Jephthah, and Samuel, and delivered you out of the hand of your enemies on every side, and you dwelt in safety. And when you saw that Nahash, king of the Ammonites, came against you, you said to me, No, but a king shall reign over us. And the Lord your God was your king. Now therefore, here is the king whom you have chosen and whom you have desired. And take note, the Lord has set a king over you. If you fear the Lord and serve him and obey his voice and do not rebel against the commandment of the Lord, then both you and the king who reigns over you will continue following the Lord your God. However, if you do not obey the voice of the Lord, but rebel against the commandment of the Lord, then the hand of the Lord will be against you as it was against your fathers. Now, therefore, stand and see this great thing which the Lord will do before your eyes. Is today not the wheat harvest? I will call to the Lord, and he will send thunder and rain, that you may perceive and see that your wickedness is great, which you have done in the sight of the Lord, in asking, a king for yourselves. So Samuel called to the Lord, and the Lord sent thunder and rain that day, and all the people greatly feared the Lord and Samuel. And all the people said to Samuel, Pray for your servants to the Lord your God that we may not die, for we have added to all our sins the evil of asking a king for ourselves. Do not fear. You have done all this wickedness. Yet do not turn aside from following the Lord. But serve the Lord with all your heart and 
do not turn aside. For then you would go after empty things, which cannot profit or deliver, for they are nothing. For the Lord will not forsake his people. For his great namesake, because it has pleased the Lord to make you his people. Moreover, as for me, far be it from me that I should sin against the Lord in ceasing to pray for you. But I will teach you the good and the right way. Only fear the Lord and serve him in truth with all your heart. For consider what great things he has done for you. But if you still do wickedly, you shall be swept away, both you and your king. Saul reigned one year, and when he had reigned two years over Israel, Saul chose for himself three thousand men of Israel. Two thousand were with Saul in Michmash and in the mountains of Bethel, and a thousand were with Jonathan in Gibeah of Benjamin. The rest of the people he sent away, every man to his tent. And Jonathan attacked the garrison of the Philistines that was in Geba, and the Philistines heard of it. Then Saul blew the trumpet throughout all the land, saying, Let the Hebrews hear! Now all Israel heard it said that Saul had attacked a garrison of the Philistines, and that Israel had also become an abomination to the Philistines. And the people were called together to Saul at Gilgal. Then the Philistines gathered together to fight with Israel 30,000 chariots and 6,000 horsemen and people as the sand which is on the seashore in multitude. And they came up and encamped in Michmash to the east of Beth-Avon. When the men of Israel saw that they were in danger, for the people were distressed, then the people hid in caves, in thickets, in rocks, in holes, and in pits. And some of the Hebrews crossed over the Jordan to the land of Gad and Gilead. As for Saul, he was still in Gilgal, and all the people followed him trembling. Then he waited seven days, according to the time set by Samuel. But Samuel did not come to Gilgal, and the people were scattered from him. So Saul said, Bring a burnt offering and peace offerings here to me. And he offered the burnt offering. Now it happened, as soon as he had finished presenting the burnt offering, that Samuel came. And Saul went out to meet him, that he might greet him. And Samuel said, What have you done? When I saw that the people were scattered from me, and that you did not come within the days appointed, and that the Philistines gathered together at Michmash, then I said, The Philistines will now come down on me at Gilgal. 
and I have not made supplication to the Lord. Therefore I felt compelled and offered a burnt offering. You have done foolishly. You have not kept the commandment of the Lord your God, which he commanded you. For now, the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever. But now, your kingdom shall not continue. The Lord has sought for himself a man after his own heart. And the Lord has commanded him to be commander over his people. Because you have not kept what the Lord commanded you. Then Samuel arose and went up from Gilgal to Gibeah of Benjamin. And Saul numbered the people present with him, about six hundred men. Saul, Jonathan his son, and the people present with them remained in Gibeah of Benjamin. But the Philistines encamped in Michmash. Then raiders came out of the camp of the Philistines in three companies. One company turned onto the road to Aphra, to the land of Shul. Another company turned to the road to Beth Horan and another company turned to the road of the border that overlooks the valley of Zeboim, toward the wilderness. Now there was no blacksmith to be found throughout all the land of Israel. For the Philistines said, Lest the Hebrews make swords or spears. But all the Israelites would go down to the Philistines to sharpen each man's plowshare, his mattock, his axe, and his sickle. And the charge for a sharpening was a pin for the plowshares, the mattocks, the forks, and the axes, and to set the points of the goads. So it came about, on the day of battle, that there was neither sword nor spear found in the hand of any of the people who were with Saul and Jonathan. But they were found with Saul and Jonathan his son. And the garrison of the Philistines went out to the pass of Michmash. Now it happened one day that Jonathan, the son of Saul, said to the young man who bore his armor, Come, let us go over to the Philistines' garrison that is on the other side. But he did not tell his father. And Saul was sitting in the outskirts of Gibeah, under a pomegranate tree, which is in Migron. The people who were with him were about six hundred men. Ahijah, the son of Ahitub, Ichabod's brother, the son of Phinehas, the son of Eli, the Lord's priest in Shiloh, was wearing an ephod. But the people did not know that Jonathan had gone. Between the passes by which Jonathan sought to go over to the Philistines' garrison, there was a sharp rock on one side and a sharp rock on the other side. And the name of one was Bozes, and the name of the other, Sine. The front of one faced northward, opposite Michmash, and the other southward, opposite Gibeah. Then Jonathan said to the young man who bore his armor, Come, let us go over to the garrison of these uncircumcised. It may be that the Lord will work for us, for nothing restrains the Lord from saving by many or by few. 
So his armor-bearer said to him, Do all that is in your heart. Go then, here I am with you, according to your heart. Very well. Let us cross over to these men, and we will show ourselves to them. If they say thus to us, wait until we come to you, then we will stand still in our place and not go up to them. But if they say thus, come up to us, then we will go up. For the Lord has delivered them into our hand, and this will be a sign to us. So both of them showed themselves to the garrison of the Philistines. And the Philistines said, Look, the Hebrews are coming out of the holes where they have hidden. Then the men of the garrison called to Jonathan and his armor-bearer. Come up to us, and we will show you something. Jonathan said to his armor-bearer, Come up after me, for the Lord has delivered them into the hand of Israel. And Jonathan climbed up on his hands and knees with his armor-bearer after him, and they fell before Jonathan. And as he came after him, his armor-bearer killed him. That first slaughter which Jonathan and his armor-bearer made was about twenty men within about half an acre of land. And there was a trembling in the camp, in the field, and among all the people. The garrison and the raiders also trembled, and the earth quaked, so that it was a very great trembling. Now the watchmen of Saul in Gibeah of Benjamin looked, and there was the multitude melting away and they went here and there. Then Saul said to the people who were with him, Now call the roll and see who has gone from us. And when they had called the roll, surprisingly, Jonathan and his armor-bearer were not there. And Saul said to Ahijah, Bring the ark of God here. For at that time the ark of God was with the children of Israel. Now it happened, while Saul talked to the priest, that the noise which was in the camp of the Philistines continued to increase. So Saul said to the priest, Withdraw your hand. Then Saul and all the people who were with him assembled, and they went to the battle. And indeed, every man's sword was against his neighbor, and there was very great confusion. Moreover, the Hebrews who were with the Philistines before that time, who went up with them into the camp from the surrounding country, they also joined the Israelites who were with Saul and Jonathan. Likewise, all the men of Israel who had hidden in the mountains of Ephraim, when they heard that the Philistines fled, they also followed hard after them in the battle. So the Lord saved Israel that day, and the battle shifted to Beth-Avon. And the men of Israel were distressed that day, for Saul had placed the people under oath, saying, Cursed is the man who eats any food until evening, before I have taken vengeance on my enemies. So none of the people tasted food. Now all the people of the land came to a forest, and there was honey on the ground. And when the people had come into the woods, there was the honey dripping. But no one put his hand to his mouth, for the people feared the oath. But Jonathan had not heard his father charge the people with the oath. Therefore he stretched out the end of the rod that was in his hand and dipped it in a honeycomb and put his hand to his mouth, and his countenance brightened. Then one of the people said, 
Your father strictly charged the people with an oath, saying, Cursed is the man who eats food this day. And the people were faint. But Jonathan said, My father has troubled the land. Look now how my countenance has brightened because I tasted a little of this honey. How much better if the people had eaten freely today of the spoil of their enemies which they found. For now, would there not have been a much greater slaughter among the Philistines? Now they had driven back the Philistines that day from Michmash to Agilon, so the people were very faint. And the people rushed on the spoil and took sheep, oxen, and calves and slaughtered them on the ground. And the people ate them with the blood. Then they told Saul, Look, the people are sinning against the Lord by eating with the blood. You have dealt treacherously. Roll a large stone to me this day. Disperse yourselves among the people and say to them, Bring me here every man's ox and every man's sheep. Slaughter them here and eat. And do not sin against the Lord by eating with the blood. So every one of the people brought his ox with him that night and slaughtered it there. Then Saul built an altar to the Lord. This was the first altar that he built to the Lord. Let us go down after the Philistines by night and plunder them until the morning light. And let us not leave a man of them. And they said, Do whatever seems good to you. Then the priest said, Let us draw near to God here. So Saul asked counsel of God. Shall I go down after the Philistines? Will you deliver them into the hand of Israel? But he did not answer him that day. Come over here, all you chiefs of the people, and know and see what this sin was today. For as the Lord lives who saves Israel, though it be in Jonathan my son, he shall surely die. But not a man among all the people answered him. Then he said to all Israel, You be on one side, and my son Jonathan and I will be on the other side. And the people said to Saul, Do what seems good to you. Therefore Saul said to the Lord God of Israel, Give a perfect lot. So Saul and Jonathan were taken, but the people escaped. And Saul said, Cast lots between my son Jonathan and me. So Jonathan was taken. Then Saul said to Jonathan, Tell me what you have done. I only tasted a little honey with the end of the rod that was in my hand. So now, I must die. God do so, and more also. For you shall surely die, Jonathan. But the people said to Saul, Shall Jonathan die, who has accomplished this great deliverance in Israel? Certainly not. As the Lord lives, not one hair of his head shall fall to the ground, for he has worked with God this day. So the people rescued Jonathan, and he did not die. Then Saul returned from pursuing the Philistines, 
and the Philistines went to their own place. So Saul established his sovereignty over Israel and fought against all his enemies on every side, against Moab, against the people of Ammon, against Edom, against the kings of Zobah, and against the Philistines. Wherever he turned, he harassed them, and he gathered an army and attacked the Amalekites and delivered Israel from the hands of those who plundered them. The sons of Saul were Jonathan, Jishue, and Malchishua, and the names of his two daughters were these. The name of the firstborn, Mirab, and the name of the younger, Michael. The name of Saul's wife was Ahinaam, the daughter of Ahimaaz, and the name of the commander of his army was Abner, the son of Nur, Saul's uncle. Kish was the father of Saul, and Ner, the father of Abner, was the son of Abiel. Now there was fierce war with the Philistines all the days of Saul. And when Saul saw any strong man or any valiant man, he took him for himself. Samuel also said to Saul, The Lord sent me to anoint you king over his people, over Israel. Now, therefore, heed the voice of the words of the Lord. Thus says the Lord of hosts, I will punish Amalek for what he did to Israel, how he ambushed him on the way when he came up from Egypt. Now go and attack Amalek and utterly destroy all that they have, and do not spare them. But kill both man and woman, infant and nursing child, ox and sheep, camel and donkey. So Saul gathered the people together and numbered them in Tileam, 200,000 foot soldiers and 10,000 men of Judah. And Saul came to the city of Amalek and lay in wait in the valley. And Saul said to the Kenites, Go, depart, get down from among the Amalekites, lest I destroy you with them. For you showed kindness to all the children of Israel when they came up out of Egypt. So the Kenites departed from among the Amalekites. And Saul attacked the Amalekites from Havilah all the way to Shur which is east of Egypt. He also took Agag, king of the Amalekites, alive and utterly destroyed all the people with the edge of the sword. But Saul and the people spared Agag and the best of the sheep, the oxen, the fatlings, the lambs, and all that was good, and were unwilling to utterly destroy them. But everything despised and worthless, that they utterly destroyed. Now the word of the Lord came to Samuel. I greatly regret that I have set up Saul as king, for he has turned back from following me and has not performed my commandments. And it grieved Samuel, and he cried out to the Lord all night. So when Samuel rose early in the morning to meet Saul, it was told Samuel, Saul went to Carmel, and indeed he set up a monument for himself and he has gone on around, passed by, and gone down to Gilgal. 
and Samuel went to Saul, and Saul said to him, Blessed are you of the Lord. I have performed the commandment of the Lord. What then is this bleeding of the sheep in my ears, and the lowing of the oxen which I hear? They have brought them from the Amalekites, for the people spared the best of the sheep and the oxen to sacrifice to the Lord your God, and the rest we have utterly destroyed. Be quiet, and I will tell you what the Lord said to me last night. Speak on. When you were little in your own eyes, were you not head of the tribes of Israel? And did not the Lord anoint you king over Israel? Now the Lord sent you on a mission and said, Go and utterly destroy the sinners, the Amalekites, and fight against them until they are consumed. Why then did you not obey the voice of the Lord? Why did you swoop down on the spoil and do evil in the sight of the Lord? But I have obeyed the voice of the Lord, and gone on the mission on which the Lord sent me, and brought back Agag, king of Amalek. I've utterly destroyed the Amalekites, but the people took of the plunder, sheep and oxen, the best of the things which should have been utterly destroyed, to sacrifice to the Lord your God in Gilgal. Has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed than the fat of rams. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he also has rejected you from being king. I have sinned, for I have transgressed the commandment of the Lord and your words. Because I feared the people and obeyed their voice. Now therefore, please pardon my sin and return with me, that I may worship the Lord. I will not return with you, for you have rejected the word of the Lord, and the Lord has rejected you from being king over Israel. And as Samuel turned around to go away, Saul seized the edge of his robe, and it tore. The Lord has torn the kingdom of Israel from you today, and has given it to a neighbor of yours, who is better than you. And also, the strength of Israel will not lie nor relent, for he is not a man that he should relent. I have sinned. Yet honor me now, please, before the elders of my people and before Israel, and return with me, that I may worship the Lord your God. So Samuel turned back after Saul, and Saul worshipped the Lord. Then Samuel said, Bring Agag, 
king of the Amalekites here to me. So Agag came to him cautiously. Surely the bitterness of death is past. As your sword has made women childless, so shall your mother be childless among women. Samuel hacked Agag in pieces before the Lord in Gilgal. Then Samuel went to Ramah, and Saul went up to his house at Gibeah of Saul. And Samuel went no more to see Saul until the day of his death. Nevertheless, Samuel mourned for Saul, and the Lord regretted that he had made Saul king over Israel.
voice and worship the King of glory. Lift up your voice and worship the mighty King of glory. He 